You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. There is power in the spiritual realm when people start to wake up and worship God. My prayer for us as a church is that we would not be known by the programs we develop, nor that we would even be known by just being real people who are loving and really kind to people. My prayer is that we would be the church that is marked by their worship of putting God on the throne, not anything else. That's where humility, that's where love, and friends, that's where the power comes from. I felt very strongly that we're to gather and pray and worship this Wednesday, January 20th. Surround God's throne. We're not messing around. Yeah, our world is crumbling, but Jesus said it would. But those who trust and put their hope in Jesus will endure to the end. I want to endure. And the only way we're going to do that is surround God's throne and surrender to his kingdom movement, not our own. Yes, there are things we can do. We need to be active in the culture around us. We need to have a voice, absolutely. But I think if we spent the same amount of time that we spend on the news and the social media, and we, we spent that time seeking the Lord, I think our church would look very different. Don't you? I've talked to many people who've already said thank you for the prayer and fasting. And don't have to thank me. I was just hearing from God and just listening and obeying. But I tell you what, it was the best week for some of y'all. It was for me. Holy cow. I tell you what, we <laughs> we really consume so much crap, <laughs> so much garbage. And we wonder why the church is powerless. Okay, I'm done. Ephesians, turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 4, please. If you have a Bible, I really encourage you to get the word out. It's okay to hear it, but we also need to see it and experience it. Uh, pull out your phones, Bible app. Uh, our church center app, I believe, has a Bible app on it. If, if it doesn't, I, I, I'm mistaken and I apologize. So we are in the Get Real series. We are in Get Real. We are addressing what it looks like to be real about following Jesus. And Jesus tells us it's all about the attitude of Christ. It's his fam most famous sermon, and he talks about the attitude. How many of you know that the attitude really drives your heart? It dri the attitude of your heart drives your mind. It drives how you view things, your perception, what you believe, what your identity is. It, 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 it drives that. And so we need to understand that if we are to be Christians and grow up in the maturity of Jesus Christ, we have to have the attitude. And before I focus on Matthew 5, 
of Jesus's word of what it looks like to be his follower. I want us to see the function and design of the church. In Ephesians 4, it's, it, it, uh, it's not on here, but it says their, meaning their responsibility, meaning the church leaders, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The staff here, we are not called to necessarily lead your Christian life. We are called to do something even greater and more effective because the body of, of Christ is not just the pastors and the teachers. It is everybody who belongs to Christ. So in order to dive into this attitude of growing in Christ series, we need to understand what that looks like. So follow along with me. And I'll stop periodically through this, Lord, if the Lord uh, prompts me. The responsibility there, meaning the leaders, their responsibility is to equip. Say equip. Equip. Who are we equipping? God's people to do his work. Number one, the purpose of the church is to do his work. There is always danger surrounding a church movement that is about their work. Never substitute programs for God's work. If it's God's work, the programs will work. <laughs> if it's not, it's just a program. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and what? Say build up. Build up. Build up the church, the body of Christ. How many of you know you've seen peer, uh, cheerleaders and different people do pyramids? The higher you build up, the more solid and stronger the bottom has to be in order to uphold and keep it from crumbling down. So how do we build the church of Christ? Well, it tells us. This will continue until we all come to such unity. Say unity. Do you know what the devil's after in our church? Hello. If that's what we're supposed to be building on, don't you think the enemy is gonna attack it for all, that, uh, for all that it's worth? I mean, come on. The enemy's not stupid. But they're defeated, so. Anyways, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. Faith, assurance of what God says, it will be done, right? It will come to pass. And the knowledge of God's son, Jesus. So friends, if we wanna grow in unity and fulfill scripture, there's two things that need to happen. We need to all, we need to all take our faith seriously, meaning that it's grounded in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And secondly, we need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. That is what brings unity. Not in the knowledge of any other non-essential theological situation or idea. It's about Jesus and nothing else. It's about knowing him and growing in there, in him, excuse me. 
So growing in faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature. Can you say mature? Mature in the Lord. What? Yeah. Just parents? Uh, where's my parents? Any, any age. You may be empty nesters. You may be uh, uh, toddler parents right now. Who doesn't want <laughs> their child to not grow up healthy, functioning, being able to operate and live in this world without being dependent on you when they're 50. I don't want my kids living with me when they're 30. Can you imagine your kids coming home when they're 21 and they want to live off your grocery bill? Some of you are like, yeah, it's happening. (laughs) And never take responsibility. It's the same way spiritually. The church of Christ was not designed for us as 10-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, and 50-year-old Christians to walk around with diapers, a rattle, and a bib saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. No, we want to feed you. And everyone who comes to Christ needs feeding needs spiritual milk, as Paul puts it. But you're not designed to just suck on a bottle of spiritual milk all your life and not grow. So there's a time and place for it. But we need to understand that we need to grow up in Christ. Why? So look at this real quick too, that we mature in the Lord, measuring up. This is what maturity looks like in the kingdom of God. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If you work in the business field, you understand about objectives, goals, and measurements, right? You measure what you're doing. You measure your results to see if you're meeting your goals. So what is the goal of every Christian? To mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Anyone intimidated like me? There's a reason why this standard is so high as we can never reach it on our own. We need Christ Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Let's go on. Next then we will no longer be immature. So he's comparing what a mature person looks like in Christ is growing one step at a time into the knowledge of Christ and growing to imitate and look like Christ. And he's comparing that to young Christians who stay baby Christians the rest of their lives then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. When we're baby Christians, a lot of times we believe whatever we hear. Like my kids will come home and say the darnest things and they believe it as truth because they heard it. And we as young Christians so often, especially in this fight 
to uphold the freedom that so many men and women shed their blood and gave their lives to uphold, freedom to worship, freedom of speech. And in our effort of fighting that, we forget what resources and what sources we're listening to. A good example is a, I found a video this week. I'm not gonna mention the name or what the content was. That does not matter. Video that's going viral. It's by a man and sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's very intelligent. He's got, you know, they all say, I have high level resources, high intelligence in the White House resources. They all say that. And some of the things he said actually are happening. But when I was listening to it, <laughs> my wife goes, what are you listening to? And I told her and she says, who is this guy? I don't have a good feeling about him. So I went to his website. I looked at his bio. He's a demonic exorcist. Look at his bio. He does services to reprogram people from traumatic and PTSD situations. He's a certified medium. And just for a low price, he can help you find your destiny and your fate in life. Guys, this is why we gotta grow in the knowledge of Christ so that we're not tossed to and fro because we're not that useful and effective in the kingdom of God when we're believing everything we see and we're going back and forth and we're missing the main thing, Jesus. That's why Paul says, I forget everything. All that I wanna be consumed with is Christ and Christ crucified. Instead, instead, we need to start speaking truth and love. Christians, your life will change when you start speaking truth. Not thinking it, speak it. Speak the word of God. It is powerful. It is a powerful sword that actually cuts through things. If you believe you're in a spiritual battle, why aren't you using your spiritual weapon? Truth. Truth and love. And that love part is not just a little thing at the end. If you're gonna speak truth and God's truth, it has to be confirmed with love. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ Jesus, who is the head of the body and the church. To prove this point that we are called to grow up in the Lord, look at this in Colossians 3, verse 10. It says that we who are alive in Christ are to put on our new nature. How many of you want to be dressing your kids when they're 18 years old? No, you teach them now to put on their clothes, right? We as children of God need to learn to put on our new nature. Are you wearing your new nature in Christ? Because your new nature has authority. Your new nature has joy unspeakable. Your new nature has a new mind. Your new nature has a new gentle touch and approach. Put on the new nature and be renewed. Say renewed, renewed. I just wanna make sure you're still with me. 
as you learn to know. This is so important. You have to learn to know your creator and become more like him. In order to grow in Christ, you need to learn to know Christ more and more. In order to grow up in Christ, you need to look more and more like Christ. Because when you say you're following Christ, people need to look at your life and see the results and the fruit of you following who you say you follow. That's why Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. We are to look different. The biggest problem in the church as we know it is churches giving such a bad name from not being the real thing. And we're dressed in church clothing and look like the real thing, but we're filled with dead bones and self because we're not growing up. And I say all this to segue into Matthew chapter five. So turn there if, you're there, uh, if you have a Bible. Matthew chapter five is Jesus's most famous words for us as a church. Some say it's the constitution of the Christian faith. It's that important. Jesus said, unless, unless you, not unless, excuse me, if you want to be my follower of Christ, you must deny yourself. Come and follow me carrying your cross. We need to start following Jesus by taking on the attitude of Jesus. Be the attitude. It's the beatitudes. Be the attitude of Christ because as you be, you will become. As you think the attitude of your heart, you will begin to act on it. And the beatitudes, it's like a staircase. It's like a staircase. You can't skip one step and go to the next and expect to grow properly in the kingdom of God. You can't skip a step. And you'll see in a moment for the first step is so crucial. And as you grow in Christ, you begin to take on the attitude of Christ and the form of godliness, as we see in 1 Peter, with power. When we try to grow this staircase and we skip steps and we do it in our own strength, it's like clothing ourselves with Christian clothes and yet having no power at all. The Beatitudes, be the attitude. So let's look at Matthew 5, verse three. Just retain it for a minute, take it in. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I sure don't put blessed in the same category as poor. Our culture doesn't either. And Paul's culture and Jesus's culture that they're writing. It doesn't make sense. Well, God's kingdom doesn't make sense to those whose eyes aren't open to the truth. We are to look different. God's kingdom works differently. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The word blessed means happy, 
a permanent, not a, not a fleeting happiness based on circumstances, a happiness that is grounded to the core of who we are in God. Favored and fortunate. Happy, fortunate, honored. The first step of maturity is to be poor in spirit. In order to grow like Christ, we need to grow in the spirit of poverty. It's the first step to grow in maturity of Christ. But if you notice this, it's also the prerequisite to salvation. You cannot be in Christ and receive what Christ has to give you if you are not poor in spirit. To help you understand what I'm trying to say is you can't be ready to receive a savior until you acknowledge that you are lost. You cannot understand your deep desperate need for a savior if you don't acknowledge your need to be saved. Poor in spirit, it's the perspective of our hearts in the presence of God Almighty. The message of forgiveness is not good news unless you understand and acknowledge that you have something in your life to be forgiven. And so often we try to live this Christian life in and through our own adequacies and abilities of our own resources and our personalities. Jesus says that ain't gonna cut it. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. You see, if we think that we can live our Christian life in and through our adequacies and our abilities of our own resources and personalities, we will develop a mindset that tells us we can please God and grow in Christ by what we do and what we can offer. That is a lie dressed in Christian clothing. You may know a person in your life that is like this. And it's completely opposite of what Jesus lived and taught. We have to understand what both the prophet Isaiah says and what the apostle Paul says. I wanna look at this briefly. Isaiah 64, verse six. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. We are all infected and impure with sin. We display our righteous deeds. Stop right there. What is righteousness? It's not a complicated term. It means right standing with God. So Isaiah is saying, when we try to have right standing with God in our own ability and our own adequacy, they are nothing but filthy rags. And I'm not trying to gross anyone out or offend anyone. But the Hebrew word, the translation of this verse is this. In our own righteousness, we are nothing but menstrual rags. You mean to tell me 
that living a Christian life and doing the church activities and being a good person and doing things that please God is like filthy rags? Yeah, if you're doing it in your own strength and your own abilities to be right with God. The apostle Paul echoes the words of Isaiah in Philippians 3 verse 8. He says, everything, I count everything worthless. You see, Paul has a track record and he has credentials that is better than most people, most of the Jews. He has a lot to boast about. And so then when he says, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as rubbish, garbage, filthy rags. It's nothing apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You can't get into the kingdom of God until you realize your spiritual bankruptcy, your spiritual inability to be right with God. Speak to our hearts, God. May this not be my words. We need to grow in you, God. Allow us to start at the base. We need you, Lord. So this is the starting point for Christian growth. This is the starting point for Christian growth. And I'd like to give you just an example. And again, this is gonna be a lot to consume in just a little time. But I put together a little chart to just give us an idea of what it looks like to grow in maturity in Christ. And then we're gonna get back to that blessed is the poor in spirit so that we understand that we can't grow without that. So let's look at the first image of that growth scale. You cannot mature in Jesus Christ if you're not in Jesus Christ. You can't be in Jesus Christ until you die to your sin and take on his new life. If you're going to grow as a Christian, Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of everything, just like that pyramid illustration. He is the base and he is the only solid foundation, the cornerstone that will stand as we build our life upon it. So let's look, life change. And new identity only starts when you're born again. Jesus says you need to be born of the spirit. Your physical, earthly life is stained with sin. When we come to accept God's free gift of salvation through Jesus, we become a new creation. It says the presence of God fills us. The Holy Spirit seals us as a guarantee of what God promised. And we begin to grow and learn as we've been reading in all the scriptures says to learn to know Christ and to grow by looking like him. Our new identity. Do you realize how many Christians are walking in the false wrong identity? Is they're either not learning the truth about their identity or they're ignoring it. And they're captured by the things of this world. Our new identity 
We have to walk in our new identity. And in order to walk in our new identity, we need to know what it is. And life change. When we're born again, there needs to be change. People need to see the fruit of the foundation. If there's not life change, that kind of shows that there's a problem in the growth cycle. And right in the, in the middle, as we grow, there's four words that I think are crucial to growing up in the Christian faith that are the same with any mom and dad. How many kids, when, or how many parents want their child when they're grown and married and independent, Lord willing, to still feel free to be part of the family, to be themselves, but to know they always have a place in your home? It would devastate me if my child no longer felt free to come home to mom and dad. What about love? You see, we're first loved before we can love in that way. But as we grow up, I sure hope that my kids, and I know they're watching Joseph and Emery, they better behave. I pray that they will have a deep love for mom and dad as they live their own life the way that God leads them. I pray that they would trust that mom and dad are always for them and that their trust would be that we have a little bit more experience than them and we're always trying to look out for the best. And with that freedom and love and trust, I want them to always pursue me no matter how old and mature they get. We are never to leave that sphere of free freedom and love and trust and pursuit of our Abba Daddy. You see what happens in a lot of Christians and it happened in me early on is I grew up in Christ and I surpassed the love and the trust and the pursuit part and I became prideful and arrogant. I began judging other Christians who weren't doing it right. Once you abandon those four in that sphere, you cannot properly effectively grow in the ways of Christ. Now that we've set that, now we can start to see more fruit of growing as we learn Christ and as we look like Christ. Let's look at that. We receive the new life. We receive the identity. We receive his grace. We receive his mercy. We understand and we're renewing our mind. We're aligning with the word of God. We're refilling because we're empty vessels of this world but Christ lives in us, so we're refilling with the Holy Spirit. Our dependence is on the Spirit. We are transforming, and as we're transforming, we're also walking in the Spirit. And as we're walking in the Spirit, we're also resting. Wouldn't look good if the pastor up here and the leaders of the church who's supposed to be growing in maturity of Christ, they're constantly exhausted, burn out. That shows a pattern of not growing in rest in the Lord. I'm learning that. I still feel like a baby, but I'm learning it. I gotta be teachable in this area. Then we start to give of ourselves because we realize our identity is in Christ and everything we have is already Christ anyways. Then once we hit this threshold of maturity, guess what happens? It's no longer about you. 
It's about others. It's about reaching the lost. It's about building the kingdom of Christ. It's about guiding and equipping people, as we read in Ephesians 4. It's about investing your lives into the kingdom of God. Guys, we hear all over, oh, the end's coming, the end's coming. It might, and it sure might. But you know what needs to happen before panic and before churches start to figure out what to do? We need to be rushing the gates of hell and wanting and desiring to lead the lost to Christ. You can't be a mature follower of Christ and not be broken and compassionate and passionate over the lost. So then we lead others to Jesus and we're leading others to grow up in Christ. And then guess what? We prepare to leave this earth and we work on succession. We work on building the Timothys. We build mentorships. Guys, mature Christians are going to be the ones that come in the doors here and they're gonna spot the next generation and they're gonna connect with them and they're gonna support the ministry of the next generation and they're gonna raise these kids and these teens up so that they're not just another statistic of leaving their faith when they leave the home. I know this is intimidating. And so I'll just say it, you can't do this apart from Jesus. But the purpose of being in Christ is to grow up in Christ. Christianity has never been, nor will it ever be, a moral story of religious people trying to be good and do good. Christianity has never been, nor will ever be, a moral story of religious people trying to be good. It is an exchange life based on the total inability of ourselves and the total ability of God through Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be poor in spirit. And when you're poor in spirit and you understand your spiritual bankruptcy of without God, then your number one priority in life Listen up, the number one priority of the Christian who is growing in Christ, learning Christ, looking more and more like Christ, is that we would make much of the cross of Jesus. What do we see in the American Christian culture? We see the selfie kind of Christian life. It's all about taking selfies. It's all about us. It's, it's the religious stuff and it's Christianity and it's yay Jesus, but it's still about me. And it's about my ability and what I'm doing to make a difference. And we start to follow the current of our culture. And now it's all about making much of ourselves. Go get what's yours. Be the best you that you can be. It's all about you. And Jesus comes on the Sermon on the Mount and he shreds that to bits. And he says, if you wanna to come to the kingdom of God, you must realize your empty, desperate state that you have nothing, nothing of worth that could get you in the kingdom of God. Friends, about eight years ago, I was up here leading worship and I hit a point, a wall in my life, Dennis, you were, so crucial in this point of my life. 
I just began to weep when I was up on stage. And I finally came to a realization that I absolutely have nothing. I have nothing that is of worth of the kingdom of God. I have nothing that I could ever bring to God to say, hey, look at me, God. None. It's only there when you realize that apart from Jesus, you have absolutely nothing. It's there where you can start growing and looking more and more like Christ. Band, would you come on up? I'd like to just, um, as the band comes up, just put that uh, growth scale back up. And I know you're probably saying, well, what's the rest of the Beatitudes? Well, there is no rest of the Beatitudes if you don't start there. Poor in spirit. That's why Jesus came as a baby. That's why Jesus came. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, to bring life to many. So friends, before we do anything else, I wanna pause and ask you, what needs to change? Where do you need to start in order to grow in Christ? Some of you need to start right at the place of acknowledging the cross of Jesus recognizing that your sin has separated you from right standing with God. There is nothing that you will ever be able to do to earn God's grace. And all you need to do is say, God, I've sinned. I need you to save me. Come and do what you do. I don't understand it all, but come and change me. That's the starting place, right at the cross. Where do you need God to make a way? Where do you need God to strengthen you and open your eyes? Because friends, I'll be honest with you. The church in our culture doesn't have a chance in this world unless we start growing and maturing like Christ. That's where the power's at. And that's where revival is going to come from. So Lord Jesus, you can have it all. We stop right now. We're fully dependent on you for our very next breath. Jesus, come in power right now. There's, there's people right now just even just doubting your presence. They don't think that they're good enough. They're not. You're not. But he is so good that he loves you and he makes you worthy anyways. Just receive it. Some of you are experiencing guilt and shame of your past. And yeah, there's a lot of potholes you've created. But you know what? When the blood of Jesus fills that pothole, it is removed as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't see it anymore. So stop looking at it. He sees Christ and Christ crucified. 
So let's focus our time right now as we worship on getting it right. Jesus, come and have your way. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.